Welcome to the New Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you are encouraged by this message by our special guest speaker. Today I want us to look at the Word of God. I have come here not to give a lecture or discourse. I have come to preach the gospel. I have done this over the years. I have been fortunately to have three ministries in my life. My primary ministry, learning a, earning a livelihood, has been teaching at our schools, Lee University and the seminary. But the second ministry has been preaching. And used to, before I got a little age on me, I used to travel every week preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. A lot of people don't know that, but I've done it over the years. And then I have my writing that I have done, and the church will not relieve me of that responsibility. (laughs) Today, I want to look at a passage of Scripture that you all are acquainted with. It's in John's Gospel, chapter 10, and I want to begin here reading with verse 14. Now, these are words of our Lord. These are words of our Savior. And it begins with this statement. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as I, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This command I have received from my Father. Father, we look to you this morning for anointing of your word and the anointing of this preacher and the anointing of those who will hear this morning about the good shepherd. Bless us today and minister to each need. We just commit this service, our Father, into your hands. 
In Jesus' name, amen, amen. There are many names that are used in the New Testament for Jesus Christ. He is called the mediator, the coming one, the high priest. He is called the son of man, the son of God, the son of David. He is called the bread of life, the water of life, the resurrection and the life. And I could go on and on with the names and titles that are used for our Savior, Jesus Christ. But you know, of all of those titles, the one that is most lovely to me is the title, The Good Shepherd. But I would venture to say this morning that most of us would miss the significance and the title of the significance and the meaning of this title. I am the Good Shepherd. I would venture to say that we know very little about the life of a shepherd with his flock. But you know, I grew up down in South Georgia. Down in that part of the country, they only had a few sheep. I'll never forget, my father passed away when I was three years old. And my father left behind with my mother three small children. And my mother worked in town to earn a livelihood for us children. But we lived out on the farm with my grandparents. And I'll never forget that my grandmother had a saying, they have a few sheep over there, but they only have a handful. They don't have many. And as a result of growing up there, I know very little about the life of a shepherd with his flock. But I do know that there is quite a contrast between our way of life today and the simple life of a shepherd in Palestine in the first century. I know that there is quite a contrast. You know, as I was preparing to preach today this sermon, I thought just how nice it would be to get away from classes and lectures and students. <laughs> I thought just how nice it would be to get away from this land of television dishes and high-rise buildings. How nice it would be to get away from this land of science and technology, this land of automobiles and superhighways, and come down there in first century Palestine with the shepherds of that country. You know, 
if we could do that, we would go away knowing something more about what Jesus said when he said, I am the good shepherd. But you know, we can't go back there. We have been put here in the 21st century. Not in the 1st century. We have been put here in Kodak, Tennessee, to serve the Lord and to glorify Him. But you know, there is something that every one of us can do today as we sit here in this auditorium. We can open our hearts and let the Holy Spirit take the word of John 10 and drive it home to our hearts. The good shepherd says in the first place, I lay my life down. I lay my life down. You know, when we try to compare anything with Christ, self-voluntary sacrifice, there is just no comparison. There is no comparison to that. And any experience that a common, ordinary shepherd would have had. No, no, no. It's true that a common, ordinary shepherd would risk his life to save the sheep if the wolf came. But in striving to save his life, the sheep's life, he would have also strived to save his own life. And if he became a victim of the wolf, he would have lost his life. He would not have given his life willfully and voluntarily. But the good shepherd that I'm speaking to you this morning about did not lose his life. He gave his life freely and voluntarily. He gave it freely and voluntarily. You remember when Jesus was in the garden and the soldiers and the priests came out to take him? And there was Peter. And Peter drew his sword. But what did the good shepherd say to him? He said to Peter, put away your sword. For if I desired, I could call a legion of angels to my defense. And you know, as the good shepherd stood before Pontius Pilate, it was obvious that he was willfully walking the path that would take him to Calvary and to death. And you know, Luke's gospel tells us that Jesus set his face toward Jerusalem. He set his face toward that city that he knew what would happen when he arrived there. No, Jesus did not lose his life. 
He gave his life freely. He was not like an animal having to be dragged to the place of sacrifice. He went there willfully, voluntarily. Fate, nor circumstances, nor superior forces compelled him to embrace the cross. He died because he chose to die for us. Yes, he died for us. You know, I read about a young soldier in the First World War who was wounded. His arm, his left arm was crushed. And the doctor that was tending to him decided he could not save the arm, that he would have to amputate it, remove it. And so after the doctor did the surgery, he waited by the young man's bedside. And when the young man opened his eyes, the doctor said to him, Lad, I am sorry that you have lost your arm. Sir, said the lad, I did not lose my arm. I gave it for my country. The good shepherd did not lose his life. He gave his life freely. He said, no man takes my life from me. I have power to lay it down. And I have power to take it again. And that is exactly what the good shepherd did. He laid his life down willfully and voluntarily in death. But on the third day, he took his life back. On the third day, he arose up in life against death. And you know, anyone who can overcome death can overcome anything. Anyone that can overcome death can overcome anything. Anything that we are facing today I don't know what you're dealing with, whether it's in your home, in your marriage, in your workplace, in your profession, or in your business. I don't know. But I do know if you know the Good Shepherd as your Savior, you have one that can enable and will enable you to get through whatever you are facing, whatever you may be facing in your life, the good shepherd is able to enable you to work through that and to bring healing for you for whatever you're facing there in your life. Yes, indeed, Jesus is able. You know, for whom did Jesus lay his life down for? 
He laid his life down for men and women who had plunged into sin and into death. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 5. When we were without strength in due time, Jesus Christ died for us. Scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Perhaps for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. That little word there, for, is rich in meaning. It means in the Greek text, for the benefit of, for the sake of, and in the place of. The good shepherd did not lay his life down for the benefit of, for the sake of, and in the place of fallen angels. He laid his life down for the benefit of, for the sake of, in the place of fallen men and women. Fallen men and women. And you know the amazing thing about the death of Jesus Christ is that his death involved more than physical death. It involved more than natural death. The prophet Isaiah realized that when he prophesied that Christ would pour out his soul unto death. And the apostle Paul knew that Christ's death involved more than physical death, more than natural death, For he said, he who was in the form of God took the form of a servant and humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. The death of Christ involved more than physical death, involved more than natural death. It involved Christ taking on himself the consequences of our sins. You see, Jesus, in pouring out his soul, in laying down his life, has placed within our reach the most priceless gift that is known to humankind, the gift of eternal life. And you know, the only thing that you have to do is just reach out your hand of faith and receive that priceless gift. Oh, how I wish I could get people to understand that. But if you are here today, do not leave this place without coming to know the good shepherd. If you will simply there where you are sitting, now simply believe and receive him. You will receive the most 
priceless gift that you could ever receive, the gift of eternal life. So the good shepherd laid his life down for the sheep. But then he said something. He said, I know my sheep. I know my sheep. You know, in the church, sometimes we get the sheep and the goats mixed up. Sometimes we identify the sheep as the goats and the goats as the sheep. You know, I have been guilty of that, Pastor. I have been guilty of identifying some people who were sheep, I thought, but they turned out to be everything else but sheep except the people of God, that is. And some I have identified as goats, and some of them turned out to be God's best people, people. So the good shepherd never would do that. You know, I had a pastor friend. I like to pick on the pastors because <laughs> I, I know most of them and have taught most of them in the church of God. At one time or another, everywhere I go, I meet them. But I had a pastor friend down in South Georgia, and he got the sheep and the goats mixed up at his church. And it was long years ago, you know, long years ago in the church of God, if you did not hold to the exact line, you were not considered a sheep, you know. And this pastor had some that were not living as well as he thought. And he turned them out of the church. And, you know, and the other sheep that he had, they left with him with those that he turned out. They were not happy about it. But, but you know what that pastor ended up with? He ended up with a church full of goats. He regretted, he regretted what he had done. But Jesus Christ would never do that. He would never make that mistake. Why do I stand up here and tell you that this morning? The reason is that Jesus Christ established such an intimate relationship with born-again believers that he could say, I know my sheep, and I will never, he didn't say these words exactly, but the implication was that he would never turn one aside, that he would always welcome his sheep in his fellowship and communion with them. So indeed, indeed, Jesus knows his sheep. But he said something that I have had a problem with. He said, I know my sheep so well that I can call them by name. I can call them by name. Now, you know the sheep are not anonymous. They're not nobodies. For the good shepherd knows them so well that he can call them by name. 
But for a number of years, I did not understand exactly what Jesus meant when he said, I know my sheep so well, I can call them by name. But one day, I was reading in John's gospel, and I came across where Jesus called one of his sheep by name. He said, Philip, have I been with you so long, and you have not learned to recognize the Father in the Son? You see, Philip had traveled with Jesus. He had heard Jesus deliver some of his great discourses. He had seen Jesus perform miracles. And yet this man, Philip, had not come to a place where he really understand, understood in his heart that Jesus was God in the flesh, that he had never come to the place where he recognized Jesus really as his Savior. And you know, there may be some people here this morning, Pastor, that are in the same condition that Philip was in. You have come to this church, and you claim Tom Sturbings and Brenda Sturbings as your pastor's. You have supported this church probably. You are faithful in attending it. But like Philip, perhaps you have never come in that place in to know that Jesus Christ is truly your Savior. But he is. He is here to make you his Savior. You, his child, his sheep. But you know, I read on and I noticed that Jesus called another sheep by name. You remember Mary? She went out to the grave and there she stood in grief and in sorrow, you know. And there was someone that approached her. At first, he, she thought that he was, was the gardener until he called her by her name. Can you imagine what happened to Mary when she heard Jesus' her name on Jesus' lips? Can you imagine the sorrow and the grief in her heart and life just vanished? And you know, you may be here today, some of you, in essentially the same condition as Mary was in. You might have brought here this morning grief and sorrow in your life. You might have brought burdens that only you and God know about. The Good Shepherd would speak to you this morning as he spoke to Mary. And if the good shepherd speaks to you this morning, dealing with those burdens, those griefs, those sorrows, 
It will. Those will disappear. They will just vanish. I know from experience what I'm talking about because often I have carried burdens, burdens in ministry, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He spoke to me as a comforter. He spoke to me in the words of the Good Shepherd. French, just cast your burden, your heartaches, your struggles upon me, and I will take care of you. That's what Mary experienced there in the garden. And you know, I read on again, and I came to another place in John's Gospel where Jesus addressed one of his sheep. He said to him, Thomas, reach hither your fingers and behold the place where those nails pierced my hand. Thrust your hand into my side. Be not faithless, but believe it. You know, Thomas was a young person. And young people, I see that you have a lot of them here, this boy. Young people like hard evidence. They will not commit until they have the proof. That was Thomas. That was Thomas. They will not believe. But you know our young people today, our young people today need some help. You know they're dealing with things in school or in life that raises doubts regarding the claims of Jesus Christ. They do. And I would say to the young people, do exactly what Thomas did. Reach out your hand of faith and examine the evidence and you will find that Jesus Christ is exactly what you think he is. He is your Savior. He is with you to help you, regardless of the temptations and trials. As you know, our young people today are facing things, temptations, in their lives that I never had to deal with when I was in public school. I didn't have to deal with pornography. I didn't have to deal with alcohol. I didn't have to deal with drugs. But you know, those kinds of things have penetrated our public schools and even down into some of the elementary schools. And I say to the parents here this morning, 
on the authority of God's word. You need to pray for your young people. But you need to do more than pray. You need to know where they are. You need to know their environment that they are in every day. You need to know something about our public schools and the kind of teachers they have. Our young people, our young people are in need of help from their parents, not just when they're home, but when they are away from home. Parents, you need to know where your children are and what they are doing and who is influencing them today. And finally, I read about another one that Jesus called by name. He said, Simon Peter, do you love me more than these things? Do you love me more than these things? Meaning the fishing nets and the boats there. Peter and the others had to have those boats and nets to put bread on their table. They needed those for a livelihood. But Jesus asked him, do you love me more than you love these boats and nets here? And Jesus would ask us today, do we love him more than we love our jobs? We have to have our jobs. We've got to feed our families. We've got to provide for them, yes. But do we love Jesus more than we do those jobs? Do we love him more than we do our professions? Do we love him more than we do what we do? to put bread on the table? Do we love him more than we do our businesses? That's a question. That's a question. It seems today in this culture that even so many Christians are spending most of their time Working for things, material things, for money. And there's nothing wrong with having some money. We all have to have some. But you know when material things and money become the center of our lives, those things elbow God out of our lives, our lives. And those things that we spend so much time working for, seeking to acquire, those things, you know where they're going to end up? They're going to end up in an auction or a garage sale somewhere. And if we leave much behind, our children are going to fight over it. <laughs>
The good shepherd knows every one of us so well that he can call us by name. He does. He knows where you are. He knows what you're doing. He knows what your needs are. He knows you so well that he can call every Christian sitting under my voice here this morning. He can call you by name. Jesus is your good shepherd, and he knows you. He knows you. But there is one other truth, one other truth. He cares for you. He cares for you. You know the hireling, the man that cares for the sheep for some money? He doesn't care much about the sheep. He doesn't love them. You know what he does? When the wolf comes, he flees to save his own hide. But not the good shepherd. Not the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives priority to the safety and the security of his sheep. You know, he is called, if you look at the Greek text, he is called the shepherd, the good one. And that word there, good, means excellent. He's not just the excellent shepherd because he laid down his life for us. He's not just the excellent shepherd because he knows us so well that he can call us by name. He is the excellent shepherd because he cares for us. He loves us. You know, he has taken this preacher out many times in the pasture and nurtured him in the day, through the day. And at night, he has tucked French Arrington away in the safety of his sheepfold. I've been out there on the cutting edge. I've been in situations where things could have really gone wrong, really gone wrong as far as my life is concerned. But the good shepherd has brought me through it. And I tell you, Whatever you may be facing today, the good shepherd loves for you. The devil may be firing his fiery darts at you, tempting you and testing you. But if you know the good shepherd today, you know one who cares for you and loves you. And I will stand, I will stand on this word here. Declaring that to you because I have experienced the care of the good shepherd, the good shepherd. I can remember one time in my experience where I plunged in deep depression. And there's nothing like depression. Hell cannot be any worse than depression. I plunged in it deeply. But the good shepherd cared for French Arrington and brought him out. So remember today, the good shepherd laid his life down for you. The good shepherd loves you so much that he can call you by name. 
and he cares for you. That is the message today that I want you to take away from this place. God bless you. It's been an honor and a pleasure to be here and to have this opportunity. And I do esteem your pastor. He is 65 years old today. He's just a spring chicken. And I'm praying, I'm praying that the Lord will keep him here until here at this church, I mean, here in this church pastoring it, until he is as old as I am. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us for the New Hope Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit newhopeonline.com.